Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. What kind of preseason are the Bucks really having, and how big is the gap between Jameis Winston and Ryan Fitzpatrick? The Rays go to four games over 500. That's a season high. They beat the Royals with more good pitching from Blake Snow. All that to talk about and much more with Tom Jones of the Tampa Bay Times. Coming right up, my discussion with him. But first, I want to tell you about a special offer from Audible.com. Sign up now and you get a free 30-day trial. That's a $15 value. And as a listener to this podcast, you also get a free audiobook. Now, here's what you do. Go to audibletrial.com slash sportsday. That's spelled A-U-D-I-B-L-E trial dot com slash sports day for a free 30-day trial and a free audiobook so tom jones joins us now and tom we head into the all-important third preseason game which for some reason has taken on more significance over the years because i guess the starters play longer but in this case the starter is the starting quarterback ryan fitzpatrick and so we are close to the start of the regular season this is probably be the last time we see him and i don't know maybe Jameis. But what have you made uh, so far of what the Bucks have done this preseason? I think it's been overall, it's been good. It was a rough offseason, and mainly because of the whole Jameis mess. I think it just sort of put a damper on everything. So when you went into the preseason, you were looking for some positive things, and we've seen some positive things. They've, okay, they won both games. I realize, okay, it's preseason. These games don't matter. But at the same time, if they're going to keep score, you might as well try to win them. They've done that. And offensively and defensively, first team first teamers have looked – pretty good. I guess the big concern, you and I were talking about this at camp the other day, is that, look, there's a drastic difference. If you didn't know, you know now. There's a drastic difference between Jameis Winston and Ryan Fitzpatrick, right? I, mean, uh, I think it's huge, and, and not just their ages and, and uh, you know, sort of where they are in their careers, although that's part of it. Um, but, you know, in general, starting quarterbacks in this league give you a chance to win each Sunday. I mean, a really good chance. And you can see with the talent Jameis has and has he's progressed each year. I've got to be honest, man, like some of the footwork, and I'm not talking about sort of the Hail Mary pass he threw to Godwin yeah. in that game, but he should have eight. And, and again, here we are again, year, year four, and he's still making those plays. But his footwork, the way, the way he's able to, to move it in the pocket and, and keep a, a kind of a, a base – his feet choppy underneath him as opposed to way spread out. Remember when he was, when yeah. he was, when he was early in his career, he, he almost looked like he was going to fall down. He was heavy-footed, and I think he's really done a lot to sort of work on his craft in that, that aspect. But he was, he was phenomenal in you know, 226 yards and a quarter. Um, and then contrast that with Fitzpatrick, who just didn't look very comfortable and very accurate, and, and especially Tom – I think throwing the ball down the field, even though Ryan will try to do that, is going to have to hit some. I don't think his arm is quite the level it, it probably needs to be to consistently win. If I'm a defense, I'm going to walk people up and challenge them to throw it over my head. And if they hit one, I'm okay. If they hit right. three, I'm not. Right. But I still think that they're going to have to find ways to – create space somehow for their offense and, and I'm not I'm I'm anxious to see how Fitzpatrick does because 
you know, if you miss on first down and it's second and 10 or third and eight, it's going to be a tough, a long day for him. I just don't, I'm not convinced that uh, they're going to be able to move the ball, even with all the weapons they have, right? But I, I still see it. You saw it. There's a, there's a big drop off. No, you made a good point when we were talking in practice the other day. That this is what you get sometimes with a backup quarterback. We're not, I'm like, you know, we're not just taking shots here at Ryan Fitzpatrick, right? But yeah. any backup quarterback, you get one game, and we look back at the first game against Miami, he looked pretty good. Mm-hmm. And that's the what jet, you give it a backup. Yeah, yeah. And then the next game, they don't look so good. Yeah. And that's the reason why they're not starting. They're a backup and still in this league. But you mentioned the, the footwork and all that. You know, Jameis made a couple of throws the other day. I know, like, the one he threw down the sidelines to Mike Evans wasn't perfect, but it was still, no, it wasn't a bad it was throw. still pretty good. Yeah. And then the one to Deshaun Jackson was really good. And then, of course, the one he threw to Justin Watson, that, that was probably his Beautiful. best throw tonight. Mm-hmm. But, you know, the, there was one throw that he made that really signified the difference. And it's, it was a, probably looks like a nothing play at the end of the day as far as, like, when you think back about that game. He threw about an eight-yard out, out pattern to somebody. And I wish I could remember who it was. It might have been, been O.J. Howard. I'm not real sure. But he threw it about a thousand miles an hour, and it was right on the money. That was okay, and it yeah. was, and it was a, and and you could just see how he stepped into through it, a just tight window, really yeah. drove it, yeah. And that's where you start to see the difference where he, where especially between him and the way he used to be a couple of years ago, and he's always had a strong, good, strong arm, but between him and Ryan Fitzpatrick, and I think, you know, look, I, Rick, I still think there's a chance they can win one of those first three games with Ryan Fitzpatrick, but. You know, it's definitely a drop off between him and Jameis, and that and that's going to be fun. And that's I, I talked about this, and you've talked. I thought you wrote a really good story after the game Saturday night in Tennessee. Is on one hand, it's like if you're a Bucks fan, it's like, hey, good news, Jameis looks really good. <laughs> and then the bad news is like, doggone it, you're not going to have this guy for three games. Like yeah. that's got to be the frustrating. It's part. really driving home the point if you're a fan that what position he has put this football team in, and I mean the whole team. Now they're not. You know, I've talked to Gerald McCoy and others about it, and they're like, look, we're not, we're not sitting around. I asked them, I said, are you mad at Jameis? Yeah. You know, like, I would be. That's be a like, good question. Like, yeah. You know what? And he goes, no, I'm not. He said, um, he says, it's kind of like, you know, your family, so if, if one of your siblings screws up, you can't, can't stay mad at them. You want to, you know, you put your arm around them and, and try to move forward. And that's what they're trying to do as a team. And it is a team game. It's the ultimate team game. We've seen Jameis play great and they lose. We've seen him play bad and they win. But the point is, is that this football team, when you, when you look at how much he could do for them, it's, it's just a bad position to be in. Because if I said to you, Matt Ryan's not playing the first three games, and there were those three games, or Drew Brees isn't playing the first three games, or Cam Newton is out, and Cam Newton has been out before, and they've, they've had to win. But any team, especially in the NFC South, is going to struggle like heck to try to win football games without their starting quarterback. And I think now... People are really, I think that game brought it home for as good as he was. It was like, man, that's, and he's gotten better. That's the thing. Oh, yeah. The guy, every year you can look at numbers and you can, you can kind of look at the games and see where he has played and, and improved his craft. And I think he's worked really, really hard this offseason. His body looks different. I know he's eaten better and taking care of himself more. His arm is as strong as it's been, even with the, sore, uh, the bad shoulder last year. So it's too bad because after I would think now I don't know if they'll play him in the final preseason game. I don't know that I would, frankly. But right. after this week, uh, I mean, you know, when he leaves after the final preseason game, it could be almost five weeks before he's in another game. It's funny we mentioned, and I'm not trying to put words into, I'm not in Dirk Cutter's mouth. I'll read the words exactly. Yeah. We were at a training camp. This was on Monday, mm-hmm. 
And the last question was that to Dirk, because we talked about game three, sort of the preseason, how do you play the starters? You try to play your starters as much as you can because you're not going to play in week four. But this is a weird week. Do you want to play Ryan Fitzpatrick a ton? Do you want to get Jameis work because he's not going to be playing for a while, but you're still trying to get Fitzpatrick work? You know, it's sort of how this impacts everything. And so someone asked him uh, on how the third preseason game, will it be the same considering that Jameis is going to be – going to be out and does James suspension impact that and Cutter this is an exact quote he said yup everything we're doing is affected by that every day at practice is affected by that and all four preseason games are affected by that so it wasn't he didn't say it in a nasty way but no just in a very matter of fact yeah, like but yeah this has changed the way and if nothing NFL coaches and teams are creatures of habit and for them to, to have this their habit altered is got to be frustrated. Yeah, because it is hard in this league to prepare one quarterback. It really is hard. And Jameis was a young guy that required a lot of snaps and took most of the first team snaps the last three years. And that's just the way it is. And when you get to the regular season, the backup takes zero snaps predominantly. Right. Um, and so now they've had to sort of massage him in there in games and in practices and give him some reps with the ones. But what that does is you have to keep the, 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 the offensive line in front of him or he's playing with a lesser offensive line, which could expose him to injury. So there is a lot of sort of mixing and matching that goes on just to make sure that you can function because you don't want to get either guy hurt. The doomsday scenario for this team, as bad as it is with him missing three games, would be if it, Jameis Winston went out there and got hurt oh, yeah. in the preseason and you had to go with Ryan Fitzpatrick and Ryan Griffin all year and Griffin's never played. So I don't know. I had somebody ask me today, like, would you – Right now, would you trade for a second-round pick for Teddy Bridgewater and just say, you know what, if Fitzpatrick doesn't do it, now if it, you know, here's the thing, Bridgewater doesn't know the offense, he's coming in here cold, but next year, if Jameis is still here, it gives you an option for next year to either let go of Jameis or have somebody compete with him. I, I just don't see that happening, but it's an interesting proposal. It's an interesting proposal, and look, I've been as down on Jameis Winston as everybody, not only off the field, but I haven't been crazy about him on the field. I don't know that I like that idea, the Teddy yeah. Bridgewater idea. And the reason I don't is, uh, first off, I, I, there's no concern on my part that when Jameis comes back in week four, like he'll be okay. You think he'll like, rip it? I think he'll rip it. I think he's going to be okay right out of the gate. Look, clearly he's able to compartmentalize oh, everything yeah, that's going on in his private life and then yep. not let it affect him on the field. Now, is he the quarterback? Is I'm not sure that – that he's the the quarterback of the next five years, six years with this organization. But I don't think he's going to be so bad where you go, mm, cut the no, tie. cut the guy, let's cut ties with him. I mean, it's, he's not going to turn in, unless something crazy happens like Josh Freeman where he just no, he's, fell he off the rails. He's not going to do that. Or something off the field happens and you would think well, that by now he's, he's learned anyway. his well, Yeah, he's done anyway. But the, the Teddy Bridgewater, I think you bring Teddy Bridgewater in, Rick, and my concern would be at that point that that you're just creating controversy. Yep. And every time he has a bad series or a bad game, people are gonna start yelling and then it impacts and then you then you got guys in the locker room start to take sides. I think the worst thing you can do is if you think you have a pretty decent quarterback, and I think the Bucks think they do, is to bring in another pretty decent quarterback and I I think it would be a mess at the end. Now, if you thought that you had to play more than three games without you know, if if he were to go to I I don't know that I want to play Ryan Fitzpatrick half the season. 
No. But as of right now, you're only going to have to play in three games. Three, maybe four, depending yeah. on how it goes. But, I mean, it's going to be a short week, and, and right. um, he could play at Chicago. On the other side of the ball, um, we haven't seen a lot of their defense together, really. I mean, they've had a lot of injuries, especially on the outside. But I, I tend to think they're better up front. But I don't know that what we're seeing every week uh, in preseason is what Mike Smith's going to do. It, it feels to me like... They're sitting back. They're giving way too much stuff underneath. They're, you know, these teams are throwing the ball quick to prevent that pass rush. I don't know. I mean, I, I think they're better on defense, but I don't know if they're going to be elite or not. I don't know. I mean, look, Brent Grimes was hardly played. Yeah, Hargraves. Bernard Hargraves was hardly played. Right, right. Uh, Vita Vea hasn't played at all, really. Yeah. Um, and here, I'll tell you what, Rick, I don't know how you feel about it. Joe McCoy wouldn't see the field the rest of the preseason for me. I mean, I, I get, I get, I'm more scared that guys get hurt. I think I'd keep JPP off. And too, that's right? the other guy. I would keep him off as well. But yeah, I don't know that we're seeing everything and that that they have to offer. To me, it's going to come down to as it always does: pass rush and can they defend the pass? Um, but look, and we've talked about this. That's going to be have to be the area that they that they really improve, especially those first three games against New Orleans, Philadelphia, Pittsburgh. Look, those teams are going to are capable of scoring forty on you without blinking an eye, mm-hmm. and I don't know that Ryan Fitzpatrick can lead the offense to forty points a game. So they're going to have to come up good defensively here in this one of these or two of these first three games to have a chance to win. Um, I think their offense is pretty decent. I think they're going to have a good offense. I mean, you wrote about Peyton Barber. They got lots of weapons. They got man. and they got a ton of weapons. I don't know about the offensive line though. And as we sit here, Donovan Smith. Uh, went down with a knee injury. No one knows the the severity of it, which generally tells me they think it's fairly serious. Um, mm-hmm. It looked serious when he did it. Now, I've seen these things become knee sprains, right? And then I've seen torn ACLs. We, as we again, as we're doing this podcast, I don't I don't know what the outcome of that is. Um, but from an offensive line standpoint, I mean Jensen could help them, Marpet and, and Donovan if they're together. But if they're not, it's still a very yeah, Demar Dotson's coming sort of back okay, from bad knee injury. Yeah, sort of an okay offensive line. I mean, I, I, you know, Caleb Benenock can play anywhere from guard to center to tackle. We don't know where he's going to land. So, I don't know. I, you know, they they've got some weapons. They're going to have to protect the quarterback, and and we'll see where they go from here. But they got a good kicker. They do. They do. Cannon's <laughs> after the Miami hiccup. Yeah, he misses the first PAT. He seems I think he's like, all right though. He's all right. They, he's going to be okay. Yeah. Yeah, and he can drive the ball to the end zone. Finally, on the Bucks. Dirk Cutter, you talked to him uh, today, and what, what's your sense about just sort of his vibe with his team? Like, I mean, Dirk, I mean, they're, they're in the middle of training camp, of course, and they're just trying to get through it. I think, you know, coaches are just worried about getting everybody to the starting line. But do you think long-term that he's going to come through this and, and be the guy that they get moving forward? Because a year ago, I'll tell you what, man, <laughs> I was out there, you know what I mean? But... There was the Gruden thing, and, and Dirk said he felt blessed or fortunate that they brought him back. Is this the guy you think is going to take a team to the Super Bowl? Look, I like Dirk Cutter a lot. I think he's a really good coach. I think he's, uh, um, I think he's the right guy for this job. I, I would have hired him when they hired him. Yeah. I would have kept him when they kept him. I yeah. think he should be back here this year. Mm-hmm. But I do sense, I mean, this the guy feels like, and again, this is just my perception. I, I don't know Dirk well enough. Yeah. You know, we haven't had enough private conversations with him, and he certainly wouldn't reveal to me. He seems a little bit to me like a guy who feels like his seat's getting a little warm. You know, he, he, I think he... he oh, I think every coach feels that way. Yeah, probably, probably so, yeah. yeah. But even more so, he doesn't seem to be as... 
No, he was. He would clown around a lot more with us in the past. Or maybe he's tired of us. That could be the case. But I, I mean, look. This but you think gonna, he's the guy? You think that if everything, I mean, Jameis aside, that he he's the guy that would get them going. I do. Yeah. I do. I think so. I think he knows what he's doing. I think he knows how to run a team. I think he knows how to treat men. I think they respect him. I don't think he, they, anybody's turned on him. Right. Um, you know, I, there's a part of me, Rick, that feels a little sorry for Dirk Cutter in this way that he's waited 58 years to be a head coach, and and now he's now he's 59, and basically his job status rests on Jameis Winston, who's not going to be available for the first three games because he did something stupid. Yeah. And. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Uh, and there's a part of me that Dirk, if I'm Dirk Cutter, I'm thinking, man, I've waited my whole life, and now I got to rely on this knucklehead. Now I'm not saying Dirk has said that, right? And he, that's not a direct. That's quote. that's not a direct quote. That's, <laughs> but that's how I feel about it. I'd be like, boy, my and look, Dirk's not get another job after this. They go six and ten this year. He gets fired. Dirk will be an offensive coordinator and a good one. And a good one. But he won't be a head. But coach. He's not going to be a head coach. Not in the NFL. So. I but at the end of the day, I do. I like Dirk. I think he's. I think he's a good coach. I think he knows what he's doing. Now it's interesting. You've written a lot more about this. I mean, Todd Munkin's calling plays. This. I, I don't know what that means. If it means anything. Well, I mean, I, I think Dirk still fancies himself as a very astute play caller. Like yeah. that's his baby. And, yeah, yeah. And, and a lot like Gruden. You know, Gruden never wanted to give it up because. It, football wasn't interesting enough unless he was calling the play. Does that make sense? Like, yeah. He was, and even Dirk said, he goes, in my whole career, other than the, the preseason, this preseason, he goes, I've always had more to do. He goes, I've never just stood on the sidelines. He goes, and to the point where the other coaches were probably sick of me and be a CEO coach. I think that drives him crazy. Yeah, yeah. I think there's an advantage to it, though. I do think you see more of the big picture when you're not got your head down in a play card every five seconds. Right, thinking too much. But he, he made his living and his bones calling plays, and by God, I think now, one of the reasons Todd Munkin is calling them, however, is for his development as coach, which is one thing. He's no longer coaching receivers. But without him being in the players' ears and, and having the walkie-talkie and listen, them listening to how he calls the play – uh, when he sends it in, how he makes adjustments, all that, then it would be hard to do it during the middle of the season if Dirk said, take it. Yeah, yeah. Now they can do that. Now, either hmm. starting with game one or at any point during the year, if they hit some bumps, Dirk can turn to Munkin and say, take it. And it's not going to be a, a difficult transition because he will have called them and, and the whole deal. So I do think, I do think it's at – at worst, an insurance policy, yeah, perhaps. Um, and then, you know, there's, there's always the outside chance that maybe Dirk will look at this. I mean, they're scoring 29 points a game so far. It's preseason, but, you know, obviously. Oh, I watched that second quarter the other night. Yeah, I mean, they lit them up. Place, so, yeah. you know, the plays are one thing, but if the guys can execute the plays and do that, then, then maybe. But Munkin's a, Munkin's a pretty good offensive mind in his own right. And 
you know, he was the coordinator at Oklahoma State when they had all those good teams. Yeah, yeah. Um, so and he's been a head coach. So, you know, we'll see how it starts. But I think the plan is, though, for Dirk. Dirk Dirk's not just going to give that up unwilling, you know, without without a fight. What have you thought of Dirk in his time, um, time as head coach? As a head coach? Yeah. Um, yeah, I, you know – I think he's he's a guy even at 58 that needs to grow into the NFL as a head coach. I don't think it's for everybody. Yeah, yeah. You know, I mean, but he spent a lot of time in the NFL and he's got some good ideas. Um, a lot of guys have good ideas. A lot of guys can do that job. But as far as you know, there are some elements to it that he's better at than others. Mm-hmm. But I still think that he has to be given. You know, my biggest problem with the Bucks has always been that they they pull the ripcord too soon, and I'm not. I'm not sitting here saying that Raheem Morris or Grace Jones were the answers, but it wouldn't matter if they had been because they never got, they never <laughs> give anybody enough know. time. Hey, yeah. I mean, we really don't know, right? Yeah, I mean, right. Sean McVay, maybe you know, if they pull a ripcord on him, maybe he's not the hottest thing on earth right now. I mean, yeah. I don't know, but the point is, is uh, you know, he took over from Jeff Fisher, who got 20 years to go seven to nine every year. Yeah, so we get started. <laughs> Laps in the apartment. Yeah, but uh, I just think that. I'd like to see Dirk get four or five years and just to see, because their football team is getting better. And if you could have continuity of an organization, I think it would be good. He's gotten better with the media. He certainly bristles at times. No, It's not his deal. No, but I think you know, he's better at it. He's, than... got, he's grown. There's so many demands on a head coach. Like right. People don't realize in the NFL. And plus, the other thing that Greg Shannon used to say is like, if I say something that he goes, the biggest change between college, of course he's at Rutgers, but yeah, yeah. between college and pro was he says, if I say something to you in the hallway, before I get to my office, it's on NFL Network. Yeah. Because you tweeted it out, or you've done a blog, and there's so many people covering the NFL that it's nationwide. Right. So if I say something stupid, you know, it's everywhere. Right. You and know? it lasts forever. And it, and it and it's, yeah. <laughs> toes on the line. Yeah, toes on the line. Well, look, I, I talk, it. And it's every coach. Like, I talked to John, talked to John Cooper a bunch, the lightning coach. Yeah. And I said, what's the biggest difference between the AHL and the NHL and the first thing that they and this is not uncommon this is what everybody says when you say what's the biggest difference between college and the pros or what's the biggest difference between minor league baseball and this every one of them said it's the commitment to the media every day that John Cooper said I might go three or four days in the AHL without talking to anybody and oh, and if I did talk to somebody who was talking to one person now you come off the ice and it's like alright I gotta dedicate the next 40 minutes to basically doing either one-on-ones or doing this or talking or dressing, you know, and it's something that takes some getting used to. I, I think Dirk's actually, I don't, I think he's funny at it sometimes. I don't think, he, you know, he's not. Well, he will tell you, and he's told me that you can't outwit him. So, right. like, he's very dry, but he's he's also snappy. I mean, like, right. he, he doesn't suffer fools. And it, no, and look, the times that he snaps at people, they I'll be honest, it. I think they have a comment to him, <laughs> and including it. me. They it's happened it. to me. But, like, I, I'd rather have that than Lovey, who was I thought was, like, just Mr. Cliche. totally condescending yeah. to you. Like, yeah. okay, I know you know more than me, but you don't yeah. have to remind me of it every 10 seconds. You know, or so. the old, Nelson, do we give injuries? No, no we, don't. we don't. We don't <laughs> give injuries. Like, you know, that sort of thing. Right. Um, so, yeah, we'll see how Dirk does. I mean, it's a big game. Obviously, they play the Detroit Lions uh, in – this will be the, the home opener, and they'll play in the third quarter, and that'll be it. Then it'll be a wrap. They'll, we'll be in New Orleans before you know it. Okay, so moving on uh, just quickly about the uh, Tampa Bay Rays. Um, they continue to be a story. I don't know how big because they're not going to go anywhere. They're two games over five hundred, but right now they're on this incredible 
scoreless streak, I guess, in terms of their pitching. Um, break up the Rays. Tom, I think that they have made the trades they need to make. I've been very impressed with their front office. I know Eric Neanderthal is new. He's essentially the, the guy in charge now, I guess. Yeah, yeah. And i trying to find out the deal that he either made or shouldn't have made. I don't know that I, I don't know that they've done anything wrong this year. I looked up and down that lineup and I like first off, I don't you know, this Mark Talking had a really good story in last Sunday's Times so about good. this Perez catcher, you know, who's who is he's he really was one of those guys and the philosophy that the Rays are using apparently sometimes, which I don't understand why more teams don't do this, is target a guy who gets stuck in an organization. Like the the, the Arizona Diamondbacks were loaded a catcher. Yeah. They had three guys. Bumping his head. Perez couldn't get there. So you bring him in, now maybe he's has a little more a little more in his battle. He's not his his average has gone down since he got here. But um you know he, he's shown some signs at the plate. Defensively he's been really good. Um I like Adamas and Bowers and I like the way those guys are playing. I like Matt Duffy a lot. We had to wait a couple years on Matt Duffy, but he's turned out to be a pretty decent player. Malik Smith has turned out to be a good player. Let me ask you about this though. So I go to the game Tuesday night, uh, no, Monday night with my son. We're sitting there and Kevin Kiermaier comes up and he's got that song. I'm always, you know, I'm hustling, hustling. Every day I'm hustling, hustling, hustling. And my son goes, yeah, hustling to a 183 average. And I, I laughed and I'm like, I thought he was kidding. No, no that's He's hitting 183. I don't know what happened. No, he had three hits Monday night. And maybe we'll now see he's 186. Now he's 186, but man, 183? Rick. People ask me about Kiermaier and like he is, you know, they, the, 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 the analytic guys love him because his wins against replacement. They're, the they're good. They're outstanding. It's like um, nine or ten. Yeah, okay. That's... Uh, <laughs> Defense helps. Defense wins championships. Yes, yes. But, but he's a plus-plus outfielder. There's no question. And yet, he's exactly who he is at the plate, and will never get any better. I think I don't. I think this is who he is. Yeah. I think if he really had the ability or the or the inclination to be able to hit the ball on the ground the other way and use his speed or bunt or do these things, he would have done them. It ain't for a lack of people telling him. <laughs> He gets up there and he's still trying to yoke things. And oh, yeah. I mean, they put the shift on for him, for God's sakes. How does Kevin Kiermaier yeah. get the shift put on well, for him? Because he is. He's, he's trying to, he's trying to roll yeah. everything and hit it a thousand miles. And this year, his swing looks worse than I've ever seen. Right. He's pulling off pitches. He's chopping it. I mean, I, I, I see no discernible improvement in his approach whatsoever. And how they decided this guy at any point was going to be your leadoff. Well, guy. that's a, here's the problem you run into. Was I, don't know, I don't know where to hit him. You know. He's, well, the place to hit him if, if you like want eight. to help him is second. Like, well, because if you bat him second, you're going to get the best pitches. Yeah. You just don't. You're going to get fastballs. Yeah, you're not going to. Yeah. They, they're not going to work around you. You know, I mean, uh, leadoff is, is is its own pressure in that you're supposed to see a lot of pitches. You're supposed to, you know, um, get on base and and start things. But if you batted him second, but I. I mean, he'll never be a leadoff guy. I hope they've given up on that idea. He's a real interesting player in that there's a lot of good to him. But the way he played, flopping around, he knew. I mean, he gets hurt all the time. And so he's tried to change that part of it. I don't see him diving as much head first. But I don't – if somebody wants Kevin Kiermaier, okay. Yeah, wow. I mean, as I mean, as bad as good as his glove is, is it worth? And it's a great glove. I mean, he's one of those guys. The ball gets hit to center field, and you're like, "That's caught." You're, well, you Mike Trout has a good glove too, but he's also Mickey Mantle. Now they can't <laughs> all be that, but right. 
it would help to play both sides of the field. A well, little. I just, I, like I said, I was stunned, and I don't know if I just completely like fell asleep something. on yeah. it. Boy, and he's been back a minute now. That's and here's the thing. Now I, is the hand hurting him? Like here's what yeah, we don't that know. Could be. There could be. Could he be able enough to pl- good enough to play? But when you swing a bat, you know it just doesn't feel right. Right. Well, my concern is that a guy that that doesn't hit a ton of home runs. Like occasionally you'll get a guy like Carlos Pena went through this, and many, many years ago this is like sort of old school. You remember a guy named Rob Deere, I think his name. Yeah. Was, who they the would walking, hit like thirty right? some home runs, but they'd bat one ninety eight. And they'd strike out a ton. That's okay. They'd strike out a ton. But if you have a guy that isn't a big, you know, an A-plus power hitter, and he's a speed guy, and he's supposed to be getting on, and he's hitting 183. Not only is he hitting 183, he doesn't take it, he never walks. He never walks. He does, he's on bases. He's a strikeout or, or a hit guy. Right. That's, I don't get it. But, but it's funny, you know, on, on the other hand, like a guy like Malik Smith, I didn't think Knox Smith was going to be an everyday player. I know, and I'm he's still, still not an sure. He's not. In the but region, you know what? Like, he can hit. He can, no, he can hit. He can absolutely rake. Right. Malik Smith's problem he's is not on offense. Close to a 300 guy. His problem is not offense. Love him in the lineup. He is skates in the outfield. Remember <laughs> Lonnie Smith? He's on a base pass sometimes, too. He's, he has no idea how to. I mean, he can't judge fly balls. <laughs> it, it's, it's, it's astounding. How bad of an outfielder and he is. And you can't DH him. Like, you, you need a guy with a little more power. Doesn't have the power. Yeah. But he's a tremendous hitter yeah. if he could ever learn to play defense. I would think it's much easier to learn how to play defense than it is to learn how to hit. Yeah, right. You know what I mean? But like, I've been right field the other night. Like, sometimes, like, right. I could, you almost would feel better if you could hide him in left. We call right. it, well, they played him out there. He's no good there either. They, <laughs> they, they, play, they call it the Malik's effect. And right. the Malik's effect can happen on the bases when he just <laughs> runs himself out. Um, or it can happen in the outfield where balls just bounce off his glove, and you're like, "He struck me though." One of those guys. I remember years ago talking to Joe Madden. We were talking about like Matt Joyce had a real good year one year, but it was good. yeah. I remember that year. Yeah. <laughs> remember those two months? Remember those three months? That's right. I think it was April and May of 2010. <laughs> but what, but him like he was one of those guys. Like the more you played him, like you couldn't play him every day. Like yeah. the more you played him, the more it was going to show up that he couldn't. Yeah, those are those are the guys that you're like, well, why don't you play him against left against left-handers? Because he can't because hit. he's the reason he's doing well is because we play him against favorable him. matchups. And I thought Malik would be that way. I yeah. thought Malik like the more like Malik for short sample sizes, he's going to be a good hitter. But the more you play him, the more he's going to yeah. be exposed. And that no, he's a legit he's bat. He has. He's, he's a legit bat. Like I've been he, impressed with him. He's got plate coverage. He can hit it to all fields. He's got a little power when he wants to. I like Malik as a hitter. Yeah. It's a god-awful field. It's just, just, it's just god-awful. Friend. Who was it that used to say that? Fran Tarkin. Tarkin. Uncle about, Fran. Crazy Uncle Fran. About uh, Josh Freeman. He's just god-awful. So, I don't know. I, I, like, I like what the Rays have done. I hope that they get a stadium built in Tampa Bay. Um, but we'll see. We'll see what happens. All right. Tom Jones, thanks for joining me. Thanks, Rick. Hard to believe the Bucks will have their final training camp practice this morning, and then they'll uh, have a walkthrough and prepare for their first home preseason game, of course, that one on Friday night against the Detroit Lions. So we'll have lots to talk about with that on TampaBay.com, as well as updates on any injuries. Donovan Smith, of course, uh, the Bucks feeling like he's going to be okay for the start of the regular season, September 9th. He's got that 48-game starting streak and then the same is true with Justin Evans who had um, some tape on his right ankle he seems like he's going to be okay for the opener as well so fingers crossed this could have been a much worse situation with Donovan Smith than what they anticipated 
Hey, we're really glad that you guys uh, are here and listening to this podcast. It's growing like crazy. We have new sponsors coming aboard, um, and we thank you all for uh, for your loyal listenership and want to make sure that uh, we interact with you, and you can do that on Twitter. You can reach me at SportsDayTB. That's our Twitter account, at SportsDayTB, or I'm at NFL Stroud. Uh, my email address is rstroud at Tampa Bay. Dot com And also, we're going to have a, a mailbag uh, where we can answer your questions. And so those where you want to submit them to us on Twitter or online, uh, we'll be happy to answer any and everything uh, about the Bucks, the Bolts, the Rays, college football, you name it, we'll do it. And we'd love for you to rate and review this podcast as well. You can do that anywhere you get the podcast, Stitcher, iTunes, Google Play, SoundCloud, all of that. Um, please rate and review. It really helps to know uh, what you're thinking of this podcast. So final preseason practice this morning. I'll be there at One Buck Place. And make sure you check out TampaBay.com for all the updates on all the news in Tampa Bay sports. For Steve Versnick, I'm Rick Stroud of the Tampa Bay Times. We'll talk to you tomorrow. deserves the best and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.